If you don't know who I am, my name is Jeremy. I serve as our campus pastor out in Shabana at our Indian Creek campus, as well as one of our student ministry pastors here at Sugar Grove on Wednesday nights. And it's a privilege uh, to be here with you this morning to open God's Word with you as we uh, conclude our series in the essential elements. So I want to invite you to uh, open your Bibles with me. Uh, to two different places, to Luke chapter 10 and to Leviticus chapter 19. And that's legit. It's real. I did say open to Leviticus. I want you to go there. Leviticus 19. We're going to turn to those places in just a little bit. Over the past five weeks, we've spent time uh, going to Acts chapter 2, where we have looked and taken a glimpse back into the life of the early church to see what things were essential to the the makeup of the early church, what, what they were doing. And our goal with that has been to bring those essential elements to the church today and say, uh, ask ourselves individually and corporately as a church, are those things essential to us? And how can we be making those things essential uh, in our lives as well? And so uh, I want to be turning our attention to the, the final essential element that we're going to be addressing in this series. And last week, uh, Tim introduced us to the essential element of fellowship, which is kind of the other side of this coin that we're going to be dealing with today. And last week, he talked about the, the basis of our fellowship and the, the faith that we have as we all serve one God. We're all saved by grace, not by works, that it focuses us for eternity. And he challenged us to not build barriers that would infringe on this, uh, this, this fellowship that we have as God's people, but to rather learn to look outside of ourselves and to value and honor those around us as well. And today we're going to look at the flip side of that coin with the essential elements of hospitality. And I know that right away, as soon as I say that, some of you start checking out or thinking this isn't for me because when we think of hospitality, we think of throwing parties and uh, having these big celebrations and the people who are more extroverted. And so those of us who are introvert, introverts might be thinking, eh, this one's for those guys. Uh, or maybe I don't have a lot of space in my house, so I don't need to be hospitable. But I encourage you to bear with me this morning because as we turn our attention to God's Word, I think we're going to learn that a spirit of hospitality is what God expects from all of us. Uh, No matter who you are, what your personality is like, where you live, uh, what you've got going in your life, God expects us to be hospitable. As we look to uh, Acts chapter 2, as we've done throughout this series, we're told that the, the early church was regularly attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They were receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. And so right there, just from that little snippet, we see that uh, biblical hospitality, when put into practice, takes that fellowship that we learned about last week and talked about last week, and it puts it into practice beyond the walls of the church. Now, when we come on Sunday mornings, we've got hospitality teams out in the parking lot, in the foyer, and here in the sanctuary that are here to help serve people and make the visit and and time here as we gather a little bit easier and, and to break down some of the barriers that may take place when coming to church on Sundays. But it gets real when we take that fellowship and we take that hospitality outside these walls. And as we follow the model of the early church, we do life in each other's homes. That's the idea that we're going to get at here. And with that, I want to ask you a question. When's the last time that somebody invited you to their home for dinner? No agenda. It wasn't part of a church program or function. It wasn't a family event. Just a friend said, hey, why don't you come over for dinner? When's the last time you invited somebody to your home for dinner? 
Some of you, you're like, that was this week. It's fresh. We, we do this stuff all the time. Others, the wheels might be spinning right now. And you're like, golly, I actually couldn't tell you the last time that we did that. I couldn't tell you the last time somebody invited us over. It's been a while. And yet as we look at the early church, we're told that day by day, this was happening. Day by day, the church was gathering in each other's homes. Day by day, people were seeing each other. Day by day, they were sharing meals together. Day by day, they were inviting people into their lives to do life together. And some of us today have turned our modern homes into these impenetrable fortresses where the moats and defenses around them are nothing more than our busy schedules. I'm just so busy. I can't have people over. We don't have time. We're, we're pulled in all these different directions. And yet God's Word tells us that as the church, as His people, being hospitable is what life is all about. We're expected to do it. It is essential. So what is biblical hospitality? I'd argue that biblical hospitality runs a little bit deeper than throwing a good party. I don't think that when God calls his people to to get together and be hospitable, when Peter and Paul write about this, they're thinking, hey, have the nicest spread. Make the, the most delicious desserts. I think they're talking about something altogether deeper than that. The problem is, when we look to the New Testament for this word hospitality, if you did a word search on it, it would only pop up about five times. You're going to see it show up in 1 Peter 4, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, uh, Romans 12, Hebrews 13. And in none of those circumstances do the authors of those verses go into much depth about what hospitality is. Instead, they just say, do it. Be hospitable. Show hospitality towards others. And so then we look at the word that we translate to hospitality, and we understand that in, in their world, in their context, meant this, these ideas of extending love to strangers or being generous to guests. And so while the word hospitality may only pop up a handful of times, those principles are woven all throughout the Scriptures from the very beginning all the way to the very end. So being hospitable is part of what God has called us to do. And so I want to invite you to grab your Bibles with me, if you haven't already, and look to Luke chapter 10. Because I think in Luke chapter 10, as Jesus shares the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I believe most of us are very familiar with, right? We've heard this parable before. We could probably tell you everything about what's going on. But in this parable, Jesus captures the principles of hospitality. And it gives us kind of a picture of what it looks like to live these things out. And so we're told, starting in verse 25, that a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you'll live. Verse 29, the, the man desiring to justify himself says to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So here you've got this guy challenging Jesus, if you will, uh, asking this question, Well, what about eternal life? And Jesus pushes back and says, Well, doesn't God's word have anything to say about it? What does God say about this? What's the law uh, say about inheriting eternal life? And the guy answers correctly. That's the, the beauty of the situation. The, the challenge doesn't come in until he pushes just a little bit farther. Well, who's my neighbor? 
Who's my neighbor? And that's what the parable of the Good Samaritan is there to answer. And so Jesus goes into it and starts telling this story. He tells the story. He says that a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. And the man answered, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Now, as Jesus tells the story to, to reveal who this neighbor is, who our neighbor is, did the Samaritan throw a big party? Did he grill up the most delicious steaks and burgers and bake up the most delicious and beautiful looking desserts and, and put them out in such a way that's like, oh, this, this person, they are hospitable. No. But did he show hospitality? Did the Samaritan in this parable extend love to a stranger? Yes. Did the Samaritan in this parable, was he generous to a guest? You bet. And so while our culture tells us that this idea of hospitality is, is really all about entertaining, it's really all about throwing good parties, the Bible calls us to something a little bit different. And the man, when he answered Jesus about what the law said, answered correctly. And in Mark 12, Jesus answered the same way when he was challenged by a scribe as to the greatest commandment. And what did Jesus say? He went back and quoted the law. Uh, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so we get into this meaning of biblical hospitality as we look at uh, the man's, this, this lawyer's response and Jesus' response uh, in these circumstances. It's easy for us to identify, uh, Hero Israel, the Lord is one. Love your God uh, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's Deuteronomy 6, the great Shema. We're like, yeah, we got that. The problem is, most of us don't really know where the second commandment comes from. We know it's there because we've spent time in the Gospels. We've read Jesus' words. We're familiar with His teachings. and It's second nature to us in some sense to say, love God, love your neighbor. But it comes from somewhere, and that's Leviticus chapter 19. In Leviticus 19, in verses 33 and 34, God commands His people this, that when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
And in this commandment, uh, we see these principles of hospitality start to surface. But we have to remember that this commandment was given to God's people as a whole, as a nation. But the issue comes in here that it wasn't given in the sense that Moses or or the rulers of the people were in charge of uh, seeing to it that the sojourners got what the sojourners needed. It was commanded as the standard for all God's people with the expectation that it would be uh, applied on the individual family basis. So as a sojourner comes to your field, it is your responsibility to treat them as the native among you, to not do them any wrong. And so we see this first principle kind of surface of what uh, the meaning of biblical hospitality is, is that we should treat the outsider like the insider. Because implied in this idea of hospitality is to look beyond those that are just in our inner circles. Right? It's easy to be hospitable towards our best friends and our family. But God has called us to be hospitable towards even those outside of our circles. And so he calls us to treat the outsider like an insider. Now, a few years ago, uh, when my wife and I bought our house, one of the non-negotiables that we wanted was some space to have people over. Because we like to host people. My wife is Italian. She's loves to cook. She's good at cooking. And so we like to have people over and play games and have dinner. And in our dining room is our dining room table, just like so many of you guys have. And, and it is a regular thing for us to sit down as a family, uh, just the Anderson family, right around that table and we eat. We'll share meals together. But there are times where we invite guests to come over to our home and we invite them to sit at that same table. And we'll sit around that table and, and for a brief time, We treat the outsider like an insider. Those who are outside of our family, we share the same blessings, the same benefits that are shared with my own children and my wife and my family. And that's the principle that is in play here. Now I know that talking about treating the outsiders like an insider, if you've ever been to our house before, we don't think of you as outsiders. We like having you guys over. But we want to treat you like one of our own. And that's what God calls us to uh, when he's talking about uh, to his people here, the the sojourner, the stranger. Literally, it's the person who, who eats different than you, looks different than you, talks different than you, lives different than you. And they are the ones to which you should do no wrong and you should treat them as if they're one of your own. Treat them like they belong, like they're they're just like you. The problem is sometimes in the church we've forgotten how we're supposed to treat the insider. So many people will leave church because they've had a bad experience. Because, let's be honest, the church is made up of sinners and people who've fallen short and we bring our own baggage and we bring our own shortcomings and we will wrong each other. We will sin against each other and we'll make offense. But that shouldn't be the norm in the church. And so for us to understand how we're really supposed to treat the outsider, we should know how are we supposed to treat each other. How should we treat each other as brothers and sisters in Christ? So I'd encourage you to write down Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 20, because you can go back and read the whole thing later. But Paul gives us a little bit of a glimpse into life within the church and and how we ought to be treating one another as we do this life together. And he says, let your love be genuine. Hate what's evil. Cling to what's good. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. And I love this. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. I love that. Like, if we're going to compete in something as Christians amongst each other, it should be, I want to outdo you in showing you honor. Could you imagine if we were all doing that, what the church would look like? 
That if our desire was to outdo each other in showing honor and preference and in giving ourselves to serving other people, as Paul says, not slothful in our zeal, but fervent in our spirit, that think of what the church would look like. I know that within my own home growing up, me and my brothers, we would have looked a lot different if we lived by that principle. Even now with our little two-year-old, if he grasped that, how would our home look different? And then you apply that to the church. What kind of community, what kind of picture does that send of what God's people is all about? And Paul will go on. He'll talk about not repaying anyone evil for evil. He'll talk about uh, blessing those who persecute you. He'll talk about uh, rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. In other words, this picture of we are in this together all the time. It's not like at when it's convenient or when times are good. But it's like, dude, we do life together. And we're there for each other in all seasons of life. And he'll go down and say that we shouldn't repay evil for evil, but as a matter of fact, that if our enemy is hungry, what? Feed them. If they're thirsty, what? Give them something to drink. Because our job, our responsibility, is to treat the outsider like the insider. It's God's responsibility to deal with people's hearts. So let's stick to what we've been called to do. And that, as we get this picture, is to extend that same love, that same dignity, that same respect, that same honor, that same care and concern and generosity and kindness that we show to our family and our friends. Extend that outwards to other people. That's hospitality. To treat them as if they're one of our own. To, to, as the end of that command tells us, to love our neighbor as ourself. And that was the point of this whole uh, parable that Jesus shares in Luke chapter 10. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? And we know if you've been around church or you're familiar uh, with that parable at all, that our neighbor is not just the person who lives next door. Our neighbor is not just the person sitting next to you in the pews right now. Your neighbor is not just uh, the person who's bubbly and smiley and makes you feel like a million bucks on Sundays when we get together. Your neighbor is not just a person that's easy to get along with. But there was a reason that Jesus said the Samaritan showed compassion. Because that was the person that they would trip up over time and time again. The who? You mean the person that we don't talk to? You mean the person that we've decided to part ways with and we don't, we don't even, we wouldn't even think to walk through that land? The neighbor? And so in our minds, Christians, we know that our neighbors are that grouchy person that you just, you, you, you have a hard time being around because it feels like they've always just got this storm cloud over their heads. And you're like, oh, here they go. Your neighbor is that person that uh, lives down the street from you that just always has something to complain about. Your neighbor is that difficult person that when you see him walk in the room, you're thinking, Dude, how can I get out of this one? When you see their name pop up on your phone, you're like, I'm busy. Your neighbor is that lazy coworker that you have that you're always covering for and drives you absolutely up the wall. But your neighbor is also the person sitting in this room that you don't know, maybe visiting our church for the very first time. Your neighbor is the cashier at the grocery store, your Uber driver. Your neighbor is those that God brings into contact in our lives. And it's those people that we are called to be hospitable to. Not just those in the church, but even the outsider to the church. And that was the Samaritan, the unthinkable one, 
one that we would never cross paths. And that's the model that God has given us to follow. Because if we're honest, we can't replicate God's hospitality that He's shown to us. And He has given us the model, not in the three-step process, not in the do this, this, and this, here's how to plan a good party, but God has shown it to you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, you have experienced the immense uh, hospitality that God has shown to you. You've experienced it. And he has called us to merely uh, model that with other people. Because Leviticus 19.34 says what? Why are we supposed to uh, treat the outsider like an insider? Because we were once the outsider. We were once the stranger and the exile. And I know that Today, we don't think back to Egypt, and we don't really associate ourselves so much with Egypt. But surely, surely as believers, we can go back and associate ourselves that once we were enemies of God. Once I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Once I was a slave to sin. I was an enemy, a stranger to a holy God. But no longer. So that Paul could write in Ephesians 2, So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now that change didn't just happen willy-nilly. That wasn't God just saying, Yeah, well, forget about all that stuff. There was an action that took place that God intervened in our life. And that action was sending His Son. As we heard in the testimony of the Bible, For God loved the world in this way, that He sent His one and only Son. Romans tells us that while we were still what? Sinners. Christ died for us. And when that gets us, and when we remember that, that will change the way that we will show hospitality towards other people. Because there is no way that I can be as hospitable as God has been to me. There's no way that anybody else is farther off than I was from a holy God. And yet He has brought me close by His love and His affection and His sacrifice. And so He calls us that the model we would follow would involve the action in our own lives. That according to the Scriptures, it's not the thought that counts. It's the action that counts. James chapter 2 uses that as the example, right? When he's talking about faith and works, he says, what good is it to tell your brother, hey, I hope you have some food today if you're not willing to give him some food? Or to clothe them when, you, when they're cold or have no clothes? In other words, we are called as believers to be the tangible means by which God meets some of those needs. So if we're to be hospitable and follow the model that God has given, our hospitality is not merely entertainment. Our hospitality is not merely throwing good parties. Our hospitality is helping to meet the needs even of other people around us. It's going to involve action. It's going to be costly at times. But again, how could we outgive? How could we outmeet what God has already done in our lives? So that how then, as I consider it, how, who am I? Who am I to not show hospitality to my neighbor? If God has done all of these wonderful things to me, how can I not show that hospitality and extend it to somebody else? That if they remember that I was the stranger and the alien, if I could just share a little bit of that with another person, then than the picture that they would get of our good and glorious God. And what He offers and does for us. If I could just show a glimpse, then glory be to God. 
So what if I don't know about the needs? I come in and out of church every Sunday. I don't know where what people's needs are. We're a big church. I get that. That's fair. Here at Village Bible Church, you know, we have something we call a benevolence fund that's there that anybody can give to any time. That fund is there not to support the, the ministries of the church, but it is strictly there to help support the needs of people as they may come up. That's its sole purpose. And you can give that any time. So you may not always need to know. You know the, the stranger may have some needs, and you might be able to be a resource to meeting those. We're kicking off our small groups right now to start our fall uh, series through the book of Ecclesiastes. I encourage you, if you're not in a small group, get in one. Because in our small groups, we live out these essential elements. We open God's Word. We study it together. We pray together. We meet in each other's homes. We fellowship with one another. We show hospitality towards each other. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And we cry with those who cry. We do life. We do the essential elements in small groups. So join a small group if you're not in one. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's figure out what that may look like because that's a place where we as Village Bible Church said, let's live out these essential elements. Let's do these things because God has called us to it. And so we do those. But being hospitable involves more than just our actions. It also involves our attitudes. Because i got to be honest, I have a hard time believing that Jesus hanging on the cross was there and through gritted teeth, I can't believe I have to do this. These people, they just, they reject me. They, they don't even want me. I'm just getting through this. What does Hebrews tell us? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, he tells us to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. There's a lot of things that we can do in life through gritted teeth. There's a lot of things that we can just suck it up and we, we make it happen. We don't want to do it and we make it clear that we don't want to do it, but we're going to do it because somebody told us we had to. But that's not the spirit of hospitality that God has called us to. He has called us to be hospitable towards one another out of a spirit of grace, not guilt. Not just to check it off the list, but because that's part of who we are. That He's rewired us. He's made us new. And so it's remembering that God's mercies for us are new every morning. And when we approach our day from that standpoint, that changes how we'll go about showing hospitality to those we meet along the way. The reality is sometimes some of us need to check our attitudes at the door. Some of us need to check our attitudes at our bedside. Because it's our habit to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And God's called us to something different. He's called us to be a joyful people who extend that love and that joy to others. And that we serve and we would outdo one another in showing God's grace. And so I love in many ways that we're wrapping up this series uh, looking at this principle of hospitality because I believe that in some ways it kind of ties together and puts a bow on all of the essential elements that we've talked about so far. Because if we look at God's Word, He calls us to it from the beginning to the end. And as we value that and cherish that in our hearts, that we would live those things out. We see that in the early church, uh, being hospitable involved sharing meals together and being in each other's homes. And, and those meetings often uh, resulted in times of, of deep prayer together as God's people. We see that uh, biblical hospitality involves us having a spirit of generosity that we've talked about. And by it, it drives and deepens our fellowship that we have with one another because of what Christ has finished for us at the cross. 
we see that it should be extended to the outsider as well as the insider, giving us opportunity for evangelism to take place, to share the hope that we have and the gospel with people who are lost and still need to know the good news of Jesus Christ. So as we live this thing out, as we do hospitality, we live out the essential elements of the church. We do all this together. So what's, what do we do? As a point of application, the best way to, to live this out is to follow that model that day by day we attend church together and break bread in each other's homes. So I'm going to ask you that same question I asked you at the beginning. When's the last time you invited somebody over for dinner? No strings attached. No church program function. No agenda. Just, why don't you come over for dinner? We'd love to have you. And talk and hang out, see what's going on in life. Let's do that as God's people, day by day. Let's make it a habit that we're in each other's homes, enjoying life together. And I get it that we've got the busy schedules. But if this is essential, if this is what God has called us to, then we should carve out the time to do it. We should make it important. That will mean saying no to other things, perhaps. But if this is what God has designed us to do and to be, then let's do it. Let's take those steps. And if that means joining a small group for the first time and taking a leap of faith, do it. Give it a one-month trial. And we're just going to try this for a little bit. I trust that you'll be blessed by it. But I also want us to think corporately. Think about this time as we gather on Sunday mornings. I know last week when we talked about fellowship, Pastor Tim uh, challenged us to not just think about what we get out of church, but how we can be a blessing to other people and to serve them. If, if this time is the, the gathering together of the family of Village Bible Church, what are our attitudes and our interactions with each other communicating to other people who may be visiting about what our church is all about? How are we being hospitable to those in our midst that, that might be checking us out, might be looking for the Lord? We want to be intentional about these things, that as we gather, we are responsible. You individually are responsible for the hospitality of our church. Not just the people who are serving in official roles and positions. We are called as God's people to be hospitable. You know the old saying that some people make you feel like you're at home? Other people make you wish you were at home? Let's not be those people. Let's be those as a church that make others feel welcome. Make them feel at home. Because biblical hospitality is treating the outsider like an insider. It's loving your neighbors yourself with an extended hand and a smile on your face.